0: Folks, welcome to another episode of the Locked on Pit podcast. And Cebo Flemister is coming to Pitt. We'll talk about him, but we're also going to talk a little bit more about the Pit basketball team, Dior Johnson, relative expectations we could have for that team. We're also going to talk about Pitt's offense, Carter Warren yesterday, saying not too many changes, but will they miss Jordan Addison so much that they might have to make changes? I'll be joined by Kale Berger of 93.7 The Fan and Pittsburgh Sports Now today to talk about all those things. On this episode of the Locked On Pit podcast.
1: Our Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Going on, everybody. Welcome here to the Locked On Pit Podcast. As always, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, turn on the notification bell to do all the great things. If you're listening to this, make sure to review, give me some feedback, and I would then like to welcome in my good friend, colleague, Kale Burger. Here, Kale, how's it going, man?
1: What's up, brother? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, Kale, you haven't been on this show in. I think since the season, right? Yeah,
1: it's been been since the the 2021 season. It's been a little bit, but happy to be back.
0: Yeah, I think the last time you were on, we were uh, talking ourselves off the ledge after Pitt had just lost to Western Michigan. Uh,
1: And you know what? I was right at the time. I was calming you and everyone else down, and you know what? Things worked out pretty well.
0: (laughs) You can say that again. I think everyone's ecstatic about where this Pitt football program is right now. and Hard not to be. Uh, You just feel the buzz. It's a little different around... Hines field and the UPMC Rooney sports complex nowadays. And you check out Pitt getting a ton of transfers and a new one today. in see Bo uh from Notre Dame, a, a guy that hasn't played a ton at Notre Dame, but got in that rotation and Pitt, as to the running back room, they had just lost Jordan Bailey last week. So they didn't have their 2022 recruit uh, anymore. So the running back room was a little thin in terms of actual bodies uh, rather than say depth. I think they have, five capable guys now i mean this is a extremely deep running back room
1: yeah there's a lot to like about what the pit the panthers have at running back and really across this entire offense but that group especially you know uh the offensive line returning and then you have all these veteran running backs and and a lot of them have and it's a good balance because they all have a ton of experience but they also don't have a lot of you know wear on their tread so to speak as well you have izzy abanacanda you got vincent davis um you have Daniel Carter being the uh, kind of breakout star of the spring as well. So like you said, many, many capable guys, and it gives the Panthers and and Frank Signetti a, a lot of kind of tools and weapons to work with and, and fool around with and have some fun with. But also, you know, they have that kind of bona fide um, running back rotation that you're looking for, right? And, and they can go to Izzy like they did in, in stretches last year or Rodney Hammond at the end of games. They can do those sorts of things, uh, you know, when they – they prefer one guy over the other, but it's good to have a lot of horses in the stable, right? And, and they're just adding that with Sibo Flemister and and just another weapon that the Panthers have on this offense at their disposal. Yeah, it,
0: and Flemister, one of those veteran guys that is down for whatever he's trying to do. And Pitt lost a, a good bit of their running back rotation to the transfer portal last year. Um, that have you know the vets that have been phased out like AJ Davis and Todd Sibley. Yeah. Um, they all left. Then Pitt lost Jordan Bailey, then Malik Newton last, before last season couldn't come. So Pitt only had four scholarship running backs on the roster. Now they have a fifth guy there in Sebo Flemister, who, again, the stats don't jump off the page uh, from his Notre Dame games. Um, but he does have some really good power in his game. He's a pretty st- sturdy back. Um, You look at him, he doesn't have great speed, but he's physical, really good in the red zone. Uh, He's a guy that came out as a pretty highly thought-after guy, and he has two years of eligibility left, and I think that is something that I can't overlook here either. The two years of eligibility, he has his his graduate year this year then his super senior year next year, uh, because we kind of don't talk about this enough, but uh, Pitt doesn't have a lot of stability past this year at that running back spot. Vince Davis is a senior could go to the NFL. Is he, if he has a good year, I think he could go to the NFL. Uh, Daniel Carter is going to be a red shirt junior. Uh, he could be here next year as well. Uh, Rodney Hammond's the real only short guy that you know, is going to be here next year, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so this is not a, I think this is a move as much for this year as it is for next year. Uh, because, you add a guy like Flemister coming from Notre Dame that has played, has showcased some good things, uh, specifically in the power department, the vision department, and the physicality department. Uh, that, And you can maybe uh, get him into the rotation next year, especially if you lose Vincent Davis and Izzy Abanikanda, which I think is a very realistic possibility after the 2022
1: season. Yeah, you outlined those recruits that the Panthers lost or guys that never made it here. And, and that's, that is the big thing that – with all those guys that could be moving on after this season, it's good to give yourself some insurance moving in the next season. You know, you know Rodney Hammond is more than likely going to be here. Other than that, though, you you have to make sure you're protecting yourself. You know, especially if you go out into, you know, the next year's recruiting class and, you know, maybe you don't end up with the running backs you want or or supplementing that position as well. These this is college football in twenty twenty two, right? You have to go to the portal. You have to take advantage of that and you have to hit home runs in the portal, Um, and obviously that will remain to be seen with what Flemister is able to provide, but uh, you have to go out and make sure you are maximizing the portal as much as possible, and you know it's not just at running back with this addition. It's really what Pat Narduzzi's done, I think, all offseason is is some really great additions in that area.
0: Yeah, and let's
1: just look at Flemister's line. Uh, His career line, 25 games
0: played, 110 rushes, 471 yards, 10 touchdowns. Again, not a flashy line, but a guy that has proven to be able to do what you need him to do and has been able to really come in in a pinch for the Fighting Irish whenever asked to do so, which I think is important for Pitt to look at to know that they have another capable guy. I also think that something you've noted this entire season, uh, adding two linebackers and Shane Simon and Tyler Wiltz um, to that core, uh, adding – even more to the wide receiver core. Uh, even, you know, that was before Jordan Addison left. They added Bub Means after adding Karate Mumfield. Uh, they add Derek Kyler to the quarterback room. We're seeing the depth kind of being built out. They had what two uh, tight end transfers as well in Carter Johnson and Dylan Devaney. Uh, I, th- I think that maybe Marduzzi learned a lesson last year yep. with his wide receiver core when you had Tastier Mack, Jalen Barn, Melky Stovall all banged up. Uh, throughout the season and it was really just addison and wayne at one point and you were throwing out guys you know that didn't get a lot of playing time or weren't ready to play you know Jaden bradley probably got a little bit more tread than maybe they wanted him to get uh, Mm -hmm. last year and i i think he's taking this as a note of saying it could happen anywhere it could happen at running back we could have a scenario where all of izzy vincent davis and and Rodney Hammond are hurt. Like, this is a possibility. And then then Flemister becomes a feature back, and you need as much depth as you can. So filling out all of those 85 scholarships, which it seems like they are intended to do, is a smart
1: strategy to me to prevent something like that happening yet again. Yeah, you can't leave yourself exposed in that kind of sense. You have to kind of cross your T's and dot your I's uh, in every way possible. And I think Pat Narduzzi's done a really good job of that. I think he's done a really good job you know, cause this is still, we, we forget how long, you know, with how long he's been here, this is still his first head coaching job. And I think he's really grown over the years and adapted well and, and changed things and, and, and identified the shifting landscape in college football and, and learned from mistakes and, and learned how to do things a little bit better. And I think we continue to see him kind of mature in those areas as a head coach. I, I want to add about Flemister too. I mean, you mentioned his size and being like a goal line guy, especially in the red zone. I think that's going to be big for the Panthers this year because, you know, a lot of times last year uh, with Lucas Kroll and, and Bartholomew and, um, you know, some of the other weapons they had and just having Kenny Pickett, a lot of the times they were opting to throw down there in the red zone or even at the goal line, too, even though they had the offensive line and the running backs to, to be more balanced there. I think now, though, not having Kenny to make those decisions in that tight area you know, not that you don't trust the other guys as much, but he was Kenny Pickett last year. I think it really benefits him a lot to have a big, bruising running back that can just, you know, go right up the middle and, and, and make it easy for you. Because, you know, this is going to be a different offensive scheme. Signetti is a power run guy. I mean, you look at some of the running backs he had, you know, especially at Boston College, but throughout his career. Um, I think they're going to do that a lot more this year. Uh, they're going to maybe need to, but it's good to have that in your arsenal, and I think the Flemister can help that out. Yeah, and I want to touch on that a little bit more. But before we do that, I'm going to let you guys
0: know about Bilt Bar, because Bilt Bar is coming out with a new flavor, folks. They're ruling another one out. This one is known as Mud Pie. It's another amazing flavor. You're probably asking yourself, what in the world is a Mud Pie? Well, a Mud Pie is covering 100% real chocolate with chocolate mousse, rich whipped cream, 100% real chocolate. It tastes like cookies and cream, but with even more chocolate on top you've got to try this as soon as possible folks and guess what this built bar it's only 150 calories with only 5 grams of sugar with over 18 grams of protein so you have a protein bar that can taste delicious you got the taste and the health factor with built bars mud pie so go to built.com use the promo code lac 15 and get 15% off your order use the promo code lac 15 for 15% off at built.com all right, everybody. Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. Here with Kale Berger, talking a little bit of Pit football right now, and Sebo Flumister kind of committing it is a nice leeway, I think. I think you know to go into the running game as a whole. We've heard this a lot. And Carter Warren talked yesterday about this is not going to be a super different offense. But if we know anything about Frank Signetti from his past, both the Pit and Boston College, and elsewhere the running game might be a very important part of this offense this year, Cal
1: Yeah. I'm expecting them to be a little more balanced, you know, not only because Kenny Pickett's no longer here, uh, but also we talked about that stable of running backs. They have the offensive line is so veteran; they can do either, you know, very, very well, but yeah, I mean, Frank Signetti. I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of former pit players, you know, Doran Dickerson's a, a coworker of mine, a buddy of mine. He obviously had his all American season playing under Frank Signetti. And, and one of the things that he, Really, you know, summed up Signetti's approach being that uh, he puts his best players in a position to succeed, which seems like such a basic thing for an offensive coordinator to do. But really, he looks at his guys' strength and looks for the way to maximize those and make sure that they can put them in the best position to succeed. And he's done that in the past everywhere he's been. And I firmly believe he's going to do that here at Pitt. You know, whether it's the tight end position like he did uh, with Doran back in the day or whether he's going to do that with these running backs like we saw at Boston College, like I mentioned earlier. Um, he is going to find a way to be creative and get these guys the ball in, in a multitude of different ways. So, especially in the run game, when you have the type of running backs he has at his disposal, you know, Izzy and, and Hammond and Davis and, and all of these guys, I, I firmly believe and have full confidence in Frank Signetti that he's going to find unique ways and, and, and mix these guys in and, and give them all opportunities to really have success.
0: And I think that's going to be the big part of it is, the run game last year, and and I talked about this a little bit last year. I didn't think it was all that important to them. They just could throw the ball wherever. No one's going to match Pitt man to man. This year, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think people might be able to match their receiving core. I think it's going to be a really good receiving core. I like Kenard Amonfield. I like Gavin Bartholomew. I like Jared Wayne. I like Bub Means. I like Jalen Barton. I like Jaden Bradley. I like these guys. But yeah. you're you don't have Jordan and yeah. I think that you know, and I want to talk about this because you know the guys down on the South side, they're supporting Addison. Um, but, but I do think that you could, while well, you might be able to replace say 80% of Jordan Addison with Kanade Mumfield, who I think is a complete stud. Um, the one thing you might not be able to replace is his magnetism, what he does to defenses and kind of just the otherworldly ability he has. I mean, we're talking about a guy who easily has an argument to be the best wide receiver in the landscape of football. And so that's where I think we come to balance running game, And seeing, maybe putting a little bit more shoulder on the load of someone like Izzy abandon Canada or someone like Rodney Hammond and Vincent Davis. And leaning on your offensive line, all five of them are back. Uh, I think that's a big thing that we have to talk about too, right? The change of the guard is in the passing game. It's no Lucas Kroll, no Kenny Pickett, no Jordan Addison, no Taysier Mack. You have new guys there. But the running game components, the offensive line and the running backs, they're all here still.
1: Yeah. And, you know, last year it was the passing game for Pitt that obviously got all the headlines. Right. Kenny and, and, and Addison and and Mark Whipple and all of that. But, you know, the running game was actually pretty vital for Pitt. And it ended up being that way at the end of games. I mean, it was that, you know, w- w- there's many names for it. You know, the six minute drill, the eight minute drill you know, trying to burn clock and just get out of games, right? And, and the Panthers did a really great job of that in, in a lot of their wins last year of just going full-on power run game. We are going to run it down the opponent's throat. We need to burn clock. They know we're going to do it. And they couldn't stop them. In part, that's a credit to that offensive line. Part of it's a credit to the running backs as well. But for all the high-flying, high-power passing attack, you know, that they, they largely were and were assumed to be, um, they were a very good team at just stuffing it down people's throats and 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 really just running them over and getting out of games as quickly as possible. So, you know, I, I think especially, too, with, you know, a, a different quarterback situation as well. I mean, when you have Kenny Pickett, you're going to put the ball in his hands because you trust him more than anyone else, and he's more often than not going to make the play. Not that you don't trust Keaton Slovis or Nick Patty because you will enough to make one of them your starter, um, but it's also making things a little easier on those guys and knowing that this is – probably our most sure strength right now heading into the season. Uh, let's definitely rely on that.
0: Uh, yeah, I can think you mentioned running out the end of games. I can think of a few games where that happened. Tennessee yeah. at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Virginia Tech was the banner of this. Remember, they ran out oh, yeah. a 10-minute drive in yeah. the game yeah. in Blacksburg. Um, it, was, it was clinical. They just moved down the field continuously um, against that team. Uh, So that was something I thought that you were completely hitting the nail on the head on. They did it in the ACC
1: championship a little bit, even. They did did it in every win. I I mean, literally every win last year, and there were many of them, every win was sealed the same way. And and that's very impressive because a lot of teams talk about that, but not a a lot of teams are actually able to execute it. And Pitt really did last year.
0: Yeah. And it gave Pitt a dynamic type of offense, to do whatever the heck they wanted. Yeah. But I think now we're going to have to see that offensive line kind of jump to the front, right? Uh, we're going to have to see Carter Warren and, and Jake cradle and all these guys step to the, to the forefront. I'm not even sure if we're going to have the same starting offensive line, because I think that there's such depth on this O line that someone could maybe sneak in there, but The offensive line, I think, is going to be a huge storyline. And I think that running game that you've talked about is going to be big. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, they're not going to pass the ball and they're not going to try for explosive plays. Of course they are. Keaton Slovis is good enough to do that. Nick Patty's good enough to do that. Whoever wins the job will throw the ball. But I also think when you look at the running game, and it's an adage, you know, that's been proven wrong that, you know, the running game, You don't need to have a good running game to have a good play-action game, but also when you do have a good running game, it makes the play-action game that just little just more lethal. Uh, And and so, I think if you do that, you talked about easing the load on say a Keen Slovis or Nick Patty. If you have a good running game and Keens have to fear Izzy Banny Kanda, well, Keen Slovis is going to have Kanani Mumfield over the middle of the field wide open for big plays, and I think that's really the connective tissue here that's going to make this work.
1: Yeah, and not only does it make the play-action game more lethal, like you said, it just makes it easier, right? I mean, you don't—not that you're not going to sell the fakes as hard or or anything like that—but you know, the the play-action game doesn't have to be as intricate, and it's not as much, you know, tricking them with route combinations and and all of the other flashy stuff like that. It's just they are in fear of you running the ball at them, and that makes everything that much more wide open and that much easier. Um, you know, with the wide receivers, and I wanted to bring it back to Jordan Addison, because you mentioned him, obviously, earlier to start this conversation. It's obviously a loss. Um, and I think what the pit wide receivers are going to have to figure out is, you know, it's one thing to, to be successful and to get open and, and to make plays when you know, half of the field is concerned with Jordan Addison. It's another thing to do all those things when, you know, it's kind of a level playing field across the board. And I think Mumfield especially is going to have to deal with that. I mean, he was coming in expecting to be the number two and probably would have feasted in that role as the number two with Jordan Addison drawing so much coverage, you know, kind of like what we saw with the Pittsburgh Steelers with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, right? I mean, Juju was the number two and he feasted because everyone paid attention to to A.B. It's kind of similar or was going to be similar with with Addison and Mumfield. And, you know, they're still very talented, though. They still have a lot of guys that can make plays in that room. So it's obviously a huge loss to lose the Blitnikoff winner, but it's not like the cupboard is bare for the Panthers.
0: Yeah, it's certainly not. And, again, I think there are good receivers in this room. I think Mumfield has the chance to be a a really great receiver. I think he has a chance to be an All-ACC player this year. Uh, He was a freshman All-American. We can't overlook that. Yeah, And he routinely – Played at a high level um, and at Akron. And Jared Wayne also is maybe the most underrated player on this entire offense that, you know, he's just kind of there, but he does everything right. A very smart player, smooth. And then you look at the other guys. I mean, there's questions behind that, but the talent isn't a question. Jalen Barton, Jaden Bradley, Bub means uh Addison Copeland, che, che Nawabuko, you know who is uh, an incoming freshman is just setting track records down in Texas. Yeah. In yeah. Texas, folks, that's not a easy thing to do. So Pitt yeah. has so many bodies that are going to be at receiver and a lot of talent. It's just going to kind of be
1: well, who steps up outside of the two we know? I'm really excited about Barden. You know, he has not, I think, had the impact yet that he or or Pitt has wanted or you know pit fans have kind of hoped for and a, a lot of it is just you know due to a lot of mouths to, to feed in the wide receiver room over the last couple of years the other part is he's dealt with injuries too but i think you know in the opportunities that barden has had i think he's made great plays he's he's shown great vertical speed to get behind defenses he's made plays down the field and and that's one of the things that pit will need i mean addison and taysier your mac you know really last year especially did both did that well that duo you know getting down the field and catching those vertical passes I think a lot of that's going to fall on Barden now to be that big play receiver kind of over the top we know he has the speed he's shown it in flashes it's just a matter of staying on the field and and producing like that and, and I'm excited to see what he can do this year
0: yeah and I think that is definitely something to look out for I think he would have had that opportunity had he not be fallen an injury after Tacey or Mac got hurt and and he looked he, remember, he got hurt making an unbelievable acrobatic catch against yeah. Miami. So uh, Jalen Barden has, has showcased a lot of good things. I'm excited to see what he can do. Pitt has two really explosive receivers in him and Bub Means, both of those guys, speed dudes. Uh, Barden kind of your traditional-ish guy, and then Means is your height, weight, speed guy uh, to look at. But I want to pivot over now to basketball because this is obviously going to be the talk of the land. Jeff Capel and Pitt men's basketball folks have some momentum. First, we're going to go to a little quick break. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. Kale, we're going to talk a little bit of pit hoops here, and how could you not? Uh, we we talked about Dior Johnson on here. We talked about Carlson Carrington on here. Both of those guys, top one hundred commits this week alone, and that was before you know everything kind of seemed to come together. It, it looks like Jeff Cable, who we thought after. The loss against Boston College in the ACC tournament, I thought he was a dead man walking. We, I mean, really? Wow. I, th- this has to be one of the most impressive off seasons I've seen by a college coach in recent memory.
1: Yeah, and I think what we are seeing is, is hopefully, for, for Jeff Capel's uh, sake and for Pitt, hopefully we're seeing something similar to what we've seen from a lot of other teams, and especially right here in our own backyard in the ACC You know, we saw with Wake Forest completely overhauling their program through the transfer portal and turning their team from, you know, mediocre to a contender the next year, you know, this past season, you know, hopefully we're seeing kind of the same thing with Pitt here. And I, and I have to say, I mean, the Dior Johnson one, especially, I mean, really came out of nowhere on Tuesday. I mean, this is a guy with obviously a very, uh, a a very uh, kind of a different trajectory to this point, you know, originally committed to Syracuse and Oregon He went to like a bunch of different high schools and stuff as well. So a very unorthodox path here, but there's no denying the talent, right? I mean, uh, a top 40 player in the country, number seven point guard, depending on what site you look at, he can score it. He can pass it. He can be that floor general. He can be that scorer for you. I mean, this is what the pit has needed for a while. And, you know, I firmly believe that I don't mean to like make it too oversimplified, but college basketball is about great guard play you know you can have good bigs you can have a lot of different things but you have to have elite guard play if you want to be a good team in college basketball especially in the ACC and I think for the first time like we haven't seen what they do on the court yet obviously but you look at this depth chart for Pitt and and they are loaded like at guard I mean not only uh with Dior Johnson but you know you bring in Nellie Cummings too and what he did getting Fordham to the tournament last year and then You know, now what's the rotation? You got Burton and and Nike coming off the bench. I mean, this is a really, really exciting group of guards the Panthers have, and and probably the deepest of that position by far they've been under Jeff Capel, which I think pairing that with John Hughley is very, very exciting to me. And and like I said, I mean, hopefully this is the beginnings of what we've seen from a lot of other programs where they can just kind of turn it around in the age of the transfer portal in one year.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it is... One of those things that you look at and say, "Where the heck did this guard room come from? Like, did did anyone yeah. expect after Femio Dukale transferred to Seton Hall that Pitt would end up with the guard room looking like this? I mean, this is a it, good guard room.
1: Athiel Horton too leaving. Yeah, you know, so you who's... lost
0: Athiel Horton, you lost Femio Ducale. arguably your two best guards last year. Um, You know with, burton kind of getting worn down at the end because he just had to play so much and his physical style of basketball just wore him down as the season went on now uh, you have six capable guys i mean legitimately there's six capable guards in this room and all do different types of things Dior johnson's a true point nelly cummings is kind of can be a point but it can also be an off-ball guy Greg Elliott's your three-point sniper. That's the Ithiel Horton replacement. They also got another three-point sniper in Cassius McNeely, though, out of the JUCO ranks. So, that was good. And then you return your two main vets, uh, Jamaris Burton. You know what he can do. He's a great leader on the floor. He'll keep everyone in check. Uh, And then you also look at a guy like Nike Sabandi coming off the torn ACL, and you're excited to get him back because what he did at the end of 2021 was some very exciting stuff. He flashed a lot of really good, Things to you, I think he shot with forty three percent from three point range. If he can yeah. continue that, you're going to love that. And then I think there's, you know, I think I'll say this: if this team doesn't work out, uh, I'll say I think the issue is going to be at the four specifically. Uh, we still, the one biggest question you're going to have coming into this year is, well, how did you replace Mogey? And the answer is, I don't think they did. Uh, I don't think they did replace Mogey. So. You're going to need a few things. One, you're going to need John Hulie to take a, a step defensively and be that rim protector that you need. You're going to need Blake Henson, who hasn't played in two years to be your starting four, could get dicey. We'll see how that ends up. And then I think you also put some pressure on guys like Will Jeffress and the Diaz-Graham twins. Granted, yeah. though, I think that these guys are intriguing. I really like the Diaz-Graham twins a lot, uh, what they project to be. I think Henson has a lot of upside. Remember last time he started, he was at Ole Miss, and he was a double-digit guy in the SEC. That's always a good sign if he can get back to that level. I think that's the only question – that's the big question mark that's going to loom over this team. But I'll tell you what, Kale. I think the, the makings of, of a team here that could maybe be in the top half of the ACC, which is just a revelation.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, you know – Back to the guards, especially like all those guys you listed off. I mean, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is you look at Pitt in recent years, and it's really been offensive, right? They don't, they haven't been able to score at the clip they've needed to, and a lot of it's from a lack of three point shooting. They kind of basically for the last couple of years had one reliable, consistent three point shooter, whether it was you know your Ryan Murphys or your Ithiel Hortons, guys like that. I mean, now they got a plethora of guys that can make threes that can get their own shot, which is always important at that level. Um, and then they have guys that can facilitate as well. So to to have like six guys that can do all of that is just so big for for Pitt, obviously, and it's going to make such a difference for them, you know, heading into next season. Um, I, I got to give Jeff Capel a, a lot of credit for this. And, and like, here's the thing with, with Jeff Capel is, you know, he has gone for these big fish in the past. And and unfortunately, it's just been bad luck where he hasn't been able to land these guys. But he's been in, you know, the final three, the final five for a lot of these top, you know, four-star recruits. And, you know, we they've had guys committed like Jalen Hood's or or or, Mintz, or They've had these guys kind of in their sights and things unfortunately haven't worked out. And, and now, you know, it, it took a little while, but finally getting one of these guys uh, I got to give Jeff Cable credit for, for sealing the deal here. And now, you know, the Panthers, they, I, I don't want to like get too hyped and excited when it's in June, but I'm really excited about what this team could look like and do next year. Just based on paper, you know, the, the roster he has assembled in, in such a short amount of time.
0: Uh, I think that's the biggest thing is that there's actually
1: excitement. I feel like yeah,
0: I, I felt two and a half months ago at the middle of March, folks that this was I felt the fan base almost be apathetic to watching another year you know as more trickled out it became very clear Jeff Capel was not going to be fired because the huge buyout number right I mean that was the obvious thing that kind of just yeah. came out and that was the question kind of hanging over its head. and really what started the ball rolling was John Hughley coming back and then Jeff Capel just went to work and, and this whole staff went to work and they put in a ton of work and, and the thing about Pitt this year, in terms of the portal, that I give them a lot of credit for is they did miss out on a lot of guys. They missed out on Akuka Kook, Michi Johnson, uh, Mila Jal-Poteet. I mean, these are some guys they were after uh, that they tried to get in on, and they thought that they even got them on campus. But in the past, usually, you know, they would go all in on, say, one or two guys, right? Efton Reed last year brings that to kind yeah. of a, a head. This year, though, it felt like they were recruiting lots of guys. They were getting ins on a lot of guys. They were closing out on guys. They assembled a really good roster here. I think the staff did a fantastic job this offseason. I think Jeff Capel had a vision he wanted for his team. And, you know, maybe after as many years as he's been here, I think he had to maybe step back for a second and readjust his expectations. You know, coming in, probably thought, man, I can follow a Duke-like model, and it just wasn't going to work at Pitt. And so I think now pushing that to the forefront, Pitt's got an identity for what they want to do. They want to shoot the ball. They want to be known for good guard play. And they want to be known, they're going to kick your ass down low. Like, that's what they want to be known by. Um, they're going to 100% just going to play big bully ball down there. Uh, you're not going to out-physical them with John Hughley. Even the Diaz-Graham twins, they're a little, you know, lean, but they play physical. And the guards play physical. Jamarius Burton's one of the most physical guards in the ACC – and they have a certain identity. It does feel like a almost big East type, like identity uh, almost to me. And I think that's what Jeff Capel's kind of embraced. He's kind of embraced the past fabric that has made pit team successful. And he's assembled a nice squad here.
1: Yeah, I, I totally uh, get that feeling and that vibe from this team as well. And I think just to, to add on to what you said about John Hughley, you know, what's so great about adding all these shooters and guys that can make shots is John Hughley's always been a great passer out of the post. And, especially if they're limited in terms of who they have down low to play there with him. And it's going to be a lot of teams collapsing in on him because he's not catching on one by surprise this year, right? They know who John Hughley is. They know the damage he can do down low, but he's also such a talented passer from the low block that he'll get those double teams. He'll get trapped down there, but you know what? He's going to be able to find these shooters out in the corner on the wing at the top of the key. And, and this year, you know, maybe more likely those guys will hit those shots. And that's obviously going to be so big for Pitt's offense.
0: Yeah, and that, that is a big thing to look at. I think the the fact that they have legitimate shooters this year is just going to add so much spacing to the floor. You know, Dior Johnson can shoot the three. Nellie Cummings is a 36% three-point shooter. Uh, he's worked off ball and his shot really well in that role. You know, Burton's not a sniper, but he can make it when he's open. Your real three snipers are going to be uh, Cassius McNeely and Greg Elliott, who are your two catch-and-shoot guys that can just shoot lights out. I mean – Elliott's a legitimately elite guy shooting over 40% on his career at Marquette. So that was a big add. And then you add in a guy like Jorge Diaz-Graham, who at the four is a 6'11 guy that shot 44% at IMG this past year from three-point range. Doesn't mean he's going to shoot 44% in college, but, I mean, that you think that at least can go, even if he shoots at like 35% at the four, you're going to take that. And that's a huge thing, I think, for Pitt. To, to really add to this room and Nike Sabandi who knows what he ends up shooting as well but the, the, for the first time under Jeff Capel I think for the first time since 2021 this team feels like they can shoot the basketball
1: yeah and and, and Nike especially uh, he's going to be so big for Pitt and they missed him so much last year because Jeff Capel talked a lot about early on in the season like the type of plan that they had the, the type of offense that they were Going to run, and they had and they had set this up all off season, and they had these plans in place. And then Nike tears the ACL, Ithio gets suspended, and and kind of everything went awry, and they had to rebuild on the fly to start last season. Getting Nike back into the fold, I think, is so so big, and maybe even underappreciated for what it means for Pitt because he really is like that Lou Williams kind of role for Pitt. You know, he can be that guy that comes in off the bench, be the sixth man, and just be instant offense right you give him the ball he can make because he can get his own shot he's got enough you know tools in his bag to be able to get himself free and he can hit the mid-range jumpers he can hit the threes um and and just like just good good guard play overall those are the guys you really need in college basketball guys that can just get their own shot uh, are so valuable and also you know amazingly so rare and and so that's such a a big boon for Pitt as well to get him back in the fold
0: yeah again I think I don't want to you know there's hope here um, I don't want to put like a ton of expectations on Pitt because this team has a pretty wide range of outcomes. I, again, I think their ceiling is definitely NCAA tournament. I think they have a legit NCAA tournament team here potentially. Yeah. I think the realistic expectation to start out with is the NIT. Um, I think that's a a realistic bar to clear. They could also, they definitely could completely bust and miss everything. Uh, I mean, we'll see the range of outcomes are everywhere right now, but, the fact that there is this amount of talent on this team is what gives, uh, I think, fans and everyone else watching this hope. And you hope you get to see some of that renewed energy in the Pete because, Kale, you and I both know, when uh, the Pete is just rocking, man. Oh yeah, Nothing better, uh, really. It is a special environment. It's a one-of-a-kind environment in the landscape of Pittsburgh, at the very least. You're not going to find another basketball uh, atmosphere like that.
1: The Pete used to be the hottest ticket in town, um, you know, and I, and I really am looking forward to the days where that will return because it is a special place to, to play basketball, to watch a basketball game, uh, such a dreaded venue for opponents. And, and I'm hoping uh, that sooner rather than later, it's going to get back to that.
0: Let's hope this could be the year for that. Kale. Kale, thanks for joining me, man. Tell them where they can find your stuff, listen to you, read, do all that great stuff.
1: You can hear me on 93.7 The Fan right now in the middle of Pirates season, so pregame and postgame for your Pittsburgh Pirates. But uh, I'm looking forward to getting back into the fold with Pitt here coming up this fall on the uh, Pitt Panthers Radio Network pregame, halftime, postgame. And, uh, you know, you can hear me whenever else on three seven The Fan. Folks, as always, thanks for listening. As we end it here, always hail to Pitt.